Welcome back to the Pro Football Network Sports Betting Broadcast. I'm your host, CCO David Behrman of Pro Football Network, joined by Director of Betting Brian Lewis for another week of picks. We've entered week eight. We're going to have another special guest join us midway through the program to get his take on what is happening at a prominent Las Vegas sports book out in Las Vegas, Nevada. So, Brian, we're into week eight. Normally, that would mean the halfway point of the season. But now we have 18 weeks and 17 games. Uh, what are you thinking so far? Yeah, I, it's kind of overwhelming that we don't have a single team on a bye this week, especially when you're uh, giving out picks for every game at pfmbetting.com that take a lot longer than you expect at this point in the season with every team playing. But that's the fun part of this. And right, what sticks out to me the most this week is just that there's so many home dogs, there's so many short spreads, and there's so many low totals. Yeah, I mean, I think the low totals, and, and, and we'll talk with our special guest in a few minutes to ask him if the books are starting to adjust. There's no total higher than 47 on the board. You don't see that often. Uh, you, you do have a lot of home dogs. Unders have been hitting at a record, record rate. So you kind of want to know whether that is something that is going to be something moving forward. Um, so we're going to start, but our special guest is actually hopping on right now. We have John Murray from the Superbook out in Las Vegas. John, thanks for joining us. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate you being here. We actually just started the show. We hadn't even hit the games yet. One thing Brian had brought up, and I'd love your take on it, not one total on the board higher than 47. Are the odds makers catching up to this trend of low games, or is it just the matchups this week? I think it's it's the trend of the low games. I think it's the way the games are being bet. And I think it's there's a lot of bad quarterback play out there right now, guys. Like, there are yeah. some really, really bad quarterbacks. There are some games where both teams have lousy quarterbacks. There are some games where backup quarterbacks are going in, rookie quarterbacks are going in. It's ugly out there. So thanks for joining us, John. John comes to us from Las Vegas, where he has been a longtime member of the staff out there at the Vegas Sportsbook Superbook out there, and you're joined with Brian Lewis, sports betting director of Pro Football Network, and myself. We're going to get right into the games because we got 14 of them to cover. First up, Jaguars at the Steelers. Steelers coming off a bye, getting two and a half at home, 40 and a half. We'll start with you, Brian. What do you like in this game? Yeah, if you could find an under at 41 or higher, I was just taking that. I see right now it's Superbook actually to get it at 41, which is nice. Steelers haven't generated more than 300 yards of offense, and they've only have in just one game this season. And this Jaguars defense has been quietly really good this year. They're sixth success rate and seventh EPA per play. If you want to avoid the sides, it never hurts to back Mike Tomlin, the Steelers, as uh, underdogs. They're uh, 18 5 and 3 ATS as a dog under Tomlin. But myself, I just can't do it. I just don't see the Steelers team besides their record at four and two. So I will not be backing them here. And um, I'm on the under for this one. John, you have a Steelers team that hasn't generated much offense, but going up against a Jaguars team that has been red hot since they went overseas to London, won a couple in the row, scoring 23, 25, 37, 31. What do you like in this game? And what are you hearing out there? Well, how much? How many more games can the Steelers get lucky in, guys? I mean, the yeah. Steelers... This team, uh, Mike Tomlin's a coach I've respected for a long time, but I feel like they've been uh, very fortunate so far. I'll be as nice as I can be. I, I, I don't have an opinion on this game myself. 
I, I have seen some sharp players taking Jacksonville at the Superbook. They took Jacksonville. We were at minus two and a half, minus one ten. Right now we're at minus two and a half, minus one twenty. Nothing really to report on the total here. Um, but uh, Jacksonville, very impressive to win both games in London and come back to the United States. They win at New Orleans fairly easily. Won at New Orleans. I'm impressed with what they've done since that loss to Houston. I think that was in week three. They've looked really good. And Pittsburgh, I just feel like um, luck has to run out at some point, right? Yeah, I agree with you, and and I've liked what I've seen from the Jags. And I was tempted to take the under, as Brian had mentioned, uh, but the Jags' offense has been really, really good since they got back from London, so I'm a little hesitant there. So I'm going to isolate the Steelers' team total under. I caught it at 20.5 at FanDuel yesterday. I now see it 19.5, 20.5 in a few places. Call it what it is. The Steelers' offense is horrible. Ranked 31st in total yards and time of possession, 28th in rushing, 25th in passing, 26th in points. Numbers 20 and a half, and they've only reached that twice all year, and one of them was in that Monday night game versus Cleveland where they scored two defensive touchdowns. So their offense is near the bottom of the barrel, and and, and they're only ahead of teams like New England and the Giants. So I'm going to isolate the team total there and basically bet that the Steelers won't score three touchdowns. Moving on to two other teams who have trouble on offense, the Falcons are in Tennessee for this battle. We'll call it the Arthur Smith Bowl, if that means anything to anybody. Uh, the Titans are getting two and a half at home, total around 35 and a half. We'll start with you, John. What are you thinking on this game? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of like the Titans in this game because I don't know what Arthur Smith is doing anymore, guys. I mean, his, his, his the usage of his players is so questionable. Desmond Ritter has looked awful this season. I really th- I thought he was going to be a lot better. I'll be the first to admit that. I liked Atlanta a lot coming into the season. Atlanta should have won easily on Sunday against Tampa Bay. Ritter kept fumbling the ball inside the one-yard line. Uh, Atlanta, I don't think much of the Falcons right now. I guess I'd have to say I'd go with Tennessee if you made me make a pick on this game. Haven't seen a lot on this game, to tell you the truth. This is one of the most lightly bet games at the Superbook this week. Other than early in the week, we first put them up. They were hitting us on the under. That's why right now you're seeing a total all the way down to 35 and a half. I feel like this is an NFL game from the early 2000s. Uh, total 35 and a half right now in the certain book. We don't see that very often. No, you don't. And as me and Brian have talked on the show, as I have not been shy about taking unders in the 38, 39, 40, and 41 range, hitting a lot of them not being afraid of it, but I think 35 and a half is almost too low for my blood. It doesn't take much to get there in the NFL. Brian, what do you think of this game? I think it's too low when you have such injury, not injury, sorry, turnover prone quarterbacks, especially with Desmond Ritter when he had three fumbles last week and two at the goal line. I was on Tampa last week and that was one game. I wasn't upset about, I'm mad about losing because I had no business being in that game in the first place. Uh, That definitely shouldn't have come down the wire like it did, but this doesn't surprise me at all. That's probably the least bet on game this week. I mean, it almost seems too easy to bet the Falcons here, getting such little points, going against an unknown at quarterback and a bad Tennessee team. This is what those are those spots where Mike Vrabel and Titans come to play when you don't expect them that uh, you're not betting on them to say the least. But if Arthur Smith can't actually give the ball to Bijan Robinson this week, even though we don't know what's going on there or in that relationship, um, it really that's just a really thing for me. I can't trust this Falcons team. I can't trust the Titans. I don't think they're going to run the ball against the Falcons, who have the best run defense by EPA per play so far this season. So this is a straight up pass for me. 
Straight up pass for Brian and, and John is leaning Titans because it isn't like the Falcons. Hard to agree with any of that. I'll point out the Falcons have scored 6-7, 21-16-16 16 in their last five games since their 2-0 start. Another team total that I'm going to look at because the Falcons are at 19.5, a number that they can't really get to. They've only gotten to once in the last five weeks. Uh, moving down, we're going to talk about Brian's Eagles laying seven points on the road at Washington. Total sitting at 43 and a half. Brian, you and I were at that Dolphins-Eagles game last Sunday night uh, in person. Uh, did you come out more impressed by Eagles or less impressed? You're laying seven at a Washington team that should have beaten them a few weeks ago and did beat them last year. Are you buying it or are you still sticking by your Eagles? I mean, obviously, I come out of that game very excited about this Eagles team and very impressed with them. But when you be, when you have a really impressive win on prime time and then the next week or traveling on the road against division rival, that's usually a good time to sell a team. And granted, if this gets above seven, which I'm not sure it will, then I think the commanders at plus seven have to be a really good play just with how well Ron, these Ron Rivera teams have played the Eagles over the past couple of years. And even though the Eagles are at full strength now pretty much, they get Reed Blankenship back at safety. Kevin Bayard addition would be huge for them in the secondary. Howell did kind of cook them the last time these two teams played, but they might have better game plan for him this time than last time. But also one factor here is even though he was on the injury report this week, Jalen Hurts is definitely not 100%. So if there's one game made to try to take it easy and just try to escape it with a win, it might be this one. I definitely wouldn't play the Eagles here. And I'd recommend the commanders of anything, especially if it's above a touchdown. John, it moved from six and a half to seven at a lot of shops within the last couple of hours. What are you seeing when it comes to this game? That's one way, one way money on Philadelphia. That's not a surprise. You know, this is this is exactly the kind of game the public loves to play. Philadelphia laying seven. It was six and a half, like you mentioned. I haven't seen the sharp guys come back on Washington yet. And I know we're talking about Philadelphia is going on the road after a Sunday night game performance against Miami. But I had uh, my family had season tickets to at the time they were called the Redskins. This is a long time ago, but they were called the Redskins back then. My family had season tickets. And when it was Eagles Redskins, it'd be half Eagles fans. Oh, yeah. And now in this era of the quote unquote commanders, I'm guessing it'll be more than half Eagles fans there. So don't give Washington a home field advantage in this game because they're not going to have one. And one thing, too, um, John, you mentioned it, that's a lot of Eagles fans at these games. They had those two games last year against the Commanders. Commanders obviously beat them in Philly. Philly won pretty handily last year in Washington and had a lot of success in Washington over the years because of so many of those fans traveling games, as you say. So it's really not a home field advantage as much, but still just concerning. It's just not the same as playing in your own home stadium. Yeah, basically that's how I would look at it as kind of a neutral field game here. I wouldn't give... Washington, any kind of a bump. The books are going to need Washington. They're going to need the commanders to at least hang in there. And if they could somehow win the game outright, that would be great. As John said, a lot of one-way betting the public all over Philadelphia. They grabbed it when it was less than the seven, and now it's back up to seven. We'll see where the Sharps come in on this one. Uh, We're going to move on to the Saints and the Colts, two teams that I absolutely horribly read wrong last week. I took the under in both those games. Both games, Saints-Jags and Indy-Cleveland ended up being shootouts that I didn't see coming. I personally think it was a one-game thing. I don't see the Saints putting up the points they scored or allowing the points that they did to the Jags last week, to the Colts this week. Personally speaking, I think this 43-and-a-half is a little high, that if these two teams hadn't played last week the way they did, this would be back in the 40-41 range. We'll start with you, John. 
Where are you seeing the action? Are you surprised at all that it's at 43 and a half for two teams that haven't scored a lot of points this year no. and have played sort of good defense, especially the Saints who were 6-0 and to the under before last week's shootout versus Jacksonville? Well, I thought the Saints defense was really good until last Thursday when they played the Jacksonville Jaguars. I still believe that they are. Um, really, guys, I haven't seen a lot of action on the total in this game. A little bit of money on over 43, which took us to 43 and a half right now. The side betting, though, very good volume game, a lot more than I would have expected. A lot of tickets both ways, no real decision right now. But it's my boss's dream here, guys. We got a lot of money on both sides, nothing to sweat, no real decision right now. We're a pick. Uh, uh, choose your side here. Indianapolis got hosed last week. I think we all agree on that. And it'll be interesting yep. to see how New Orleans bounces back after that Thursday night game. It's actually a pretty interesting game in the morning between these two teams. Brian, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, it's kind of crazy how the Colts played this historically good Browns defense last week, put up 456 yards of offense and still lost. I didn't catch a whole ton of this game, but I didn't know that the, that the reaction kind of it was that they got robbed, as John said. But this mm-hmm. is – I just can't back the Saints anytime soon. They really let me down last Thursday night. They're a big eyesore to watch. But I kind of agree with John that their defense is definitely better than what they showed on Thursday night. You can't not take Thursday night football seriously at all, but a little less so than you would for a typical Sunday or Monday night game just coming off the short week. So not sure really what to make of this team right now, but I do know, like you said, that that was the first time their game went over since week 11 of 2022. And even though they're not close to the caliber of the Browns defense who the Colts went off against last week, I can't see the Colts having a similar performance offensively two weeks in a row against two good defenses. So if I had a strong lean one way or the other, I'll play the under, but I'm not in a big rush to play. Cause as John said, there hasn't been a ton of action on it. So this is like a big rush at this current number right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because the saints defense shouldn't allow that again. And, and what I am very interested in seeing is you almost forget since it was Thursday, but the saints offense actually came alive in the second half for the first time all season. Uh, they were moving the ball, they rallied, they tied up the game, and they had a chance to win there at the end. We'll see if that can continue this week in Indianapolis. We move on to a game of what we thought would be a battle for the number one pick. The Carolina Panthers are still in contention for that number one pick, but I think the Houston Texans, their aim is a little higher now at 3-3. Three and three. As we sit here, the Texans have gone. It's bumped up from 3 to 3.5. Three They're now laying 3.5, total sitting at 43.5. We'll start with you, Brian. I've been impressed with the Houston Texans this year. Panthers are who we thought they were. What do you like in this game? Yeah, I'm curious to hear what John says about this game because I'm not sure if people have caught up to the Texans this year. That like, I don't know if people have caught up to them or they're going to get overrated right now. I don't know which it is because they have been pretty impressive through the first few weeks of the season. It starts with the C.J. Stroud, obviously, but their defense hasn't been half bad either. The gap between these two teams by DVOA is greater than the Texans and any other team. So the gap between the Texans and the Chiefs is smaller than the gap between the Texans and the Panthers. It's only because the Panthers have been that bad. But they've shown some signs of life, life the last couple of weeks, and they are coming out the bye. So maybe there's a chance a little bit better offensively. But if you can still find us at three, I still like the Texans. I don't think playing at Carolina is some sort of huge home field, some tough road environment for this Texans team. And say what you want by the quarterbacks coming out of college. But right now, Stroud looks much further along than Bryce Young and has – much better support system around them too. John, are we overvaluing the Houston Texans? I don't think so. 
you know, I, I've been really, really impressed with the Texans, maybe as much as any of the young teams in the NFL. C.J. Stroud is a great – even from the first week, I was watching the Texans play Baltimore week one, and they lost that game pretty handily. But he looked like he wasn't overwhelmed in that game. And he really impressed me right from the beginning. I like D'Amico Ryans. Having said that, we, we, I have to tell you, we've seen some very sharp accounts here on Carolina. They took Carolina plus 3.5 minus 110. They took Carolina – Plus three even. It's bounced back because we've taken some big bets on Houston as well. It looks to be right now, and I don't think this is going to hold up until kickoff on Sunday, guys. But right now, it's our most heavily bet game of the 10 a.m. window. Wow. A lot of money on both sides here. Interesting game. Sharp guys both ways. But I'd say the groups that I, I probably respect a little bit more are on the dog on Carolina. Carolina hasn't covered a game all year. They've yeah. looked awful all season long. So. Hard hard to back Carolina. It just seems like there's got to be somewhere else you can put your money than on, on the Carolina Panthers right now. And they were even spotted a 14 nothing lead last time we saw them in Miami. Mm-hmm. So interesting that that's the most heavily bet on early game. I actually would have picked this next one as probably the most heavily bet on game in a uh, rare occurrence the Dallas Cowboys are playing in the early window, hosting the Los Angeles Rams. This one is still at 6.5, has not moved up to 7 Total sitting at 45 and a half. John, I'll start with you. Mm-hmm. Cowboys, Rams, two teams that get national attention, especially the Cowboys. What are you seeing on the betting side? So to your point, when we get to Sunday and the games kick off, the most heavily bet early games are going to be this game, the Philadelphia game, because so many people will be on Philadelphia, and the New England-Miami game. It's not going to be Houston-Carolina when we kick off the games on Sunday morning. Right now, though, there's not a lot on this game. Uh, we had a sharp group come in on, I believe it was Monday. It was early in the week. They laid Dallas minus five and a half. We went as high as six and a half. We're actually back down to six right now. I do see a lot of the market is a six and a half, to your point, but we're at six. Not a ton of action on this game. That's not going to hold up, though. There's going to be a lot of tickets on this game by Sunday morning. Brian, you love the Cowboys. What do you think? I Yeah, totally. Um, this is a tough one for me because – for one, I'm worried about the mismatch of the Cowboys' pass rush against uh, the Rams' offensive line and uh, Stafford's lack of mobility now. We've seen the Rams struggle against those teams with good pass rushes, like with the Eagles a couple of weeks ago, when they couldn't get their pass offense really going in that second half. But if Stafford does have time to throw, I think he should be able to attack this Cowboys' pass defense that's 21st in EPA per play since uh, the Trayvon Diggs injury. And they have one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL right now. It's pretty crazy how... Puka Nakua's target share has gone up since Cooper Cup has returned. So that could be a big issue for this Cowboys pass defense. And I'm still not totally convinced that the Cowboys offense is where it should be. They had a nice win against the Chargers their last time out before their bye week. But just this 242 yards of offense against one of the worst defenses in the NFL isn't necessarily a Dak Prescott, the offense is back type of game. So I do. I would lean towards the Cowboys winning this one, but now the numbers are starting to feel a little too high for me after initially liking the Cowboys. I wouldn't mind as a teaser play getting the Cowboys straight up because I do think they would win this one, but it could be a sweat. Quite frankly, I don't trust either one of the teams. They're kind of Jekyll and Hyde you all year long. Every four years, we are blessed in the National Football League with getting a battle of East Rutherford, New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. What we thought would be an Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones, Primetime matchup is now uh, Zach Wilson versus Tyrod Taylor. The Jets, you could say, on the road, in quotes, 
laying three points, 36 and a half. I'll remind people listening that just because the Jets are listed first does not mean anything. These two teams both play in this home stadium. Yes, the Jets will be on the visiting sideline and probably the visitor locker room, but they both play there. Brian, battle of East Rutherford. Anything on this game? Yeah, I was going to play the over of anything in this one, kind of a zag when the total being so low, but it actually doesn't look like Andrew Thomas is going to return for the Giants this week. That was going to be a big reason for it. I thought it would be a huge boost for this Giants offense going against a pass rush in front seven like the Jets. And the Giants offense kind of showing some life the last couple of weeks. They improved on success rate from 28th in the NFL to 16th in the last two weeks of Tyrod Taylor. And it's not like they've been playing like horrific defenses. I mean, Bills without their without those three guys, the commanders aren't necessarily good by any means, but it's not like they're beating up on the Broncos and the Chargers. So that was going to be my play here. And I think the Jets could run the ball on them with Brees Hall. Giants are pretty bad team at stopping the run. But if Andrew Thomas doesn't return, I'm a little concerned about the Giants um, offensive line here as we've been all season long. But it almost kind of feels like a trap getting the Jets with such little points coming out of bye when we last saw them beat this Eagles team that's maybe the best team in the NFL. I'm sure it's really lopsided towards the Jets, though. John, how's the action on this one? Any interest? You know, you guys earn your money as as football media members having to talk about games like this dreck of a game on Sunday between the Jets <laughs> and the Giants. We don't really have a lot on this game. Uh, we, we had some sharp money to the over, over 36, moved it to 36 and a half. I expect the ticket count to be very split to the Jets when this game starts, but right now it's not. Right now, there's just as many tickets on the Giants as the Jets. Not like we talked at the top of the show about totals being low and ugly quarterback play and, and injured quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks. This game and the Atlanta game are sort of the ones I'm talking about. Uh, this is not a very appealing quarterback battle in East Rutherford on Sunday. Uh, we'll see, but I don't expect this to be much of a high-volume game for us. Brian, you mentioned the Giants getting it going a little bit with Tyrod and you know, it's within the eye of the beholder. They did get their first first half touchdown on offense all season last week and then scored again in the second quarter versus the Commanders. Congratulations. That's all they got. Uh, I was looking at this game and, you know, as John said, it's it's a drag matchup with bad quarterbacks. I don't trust either side. So I went, tried to isolate some some team totals and was stunned to find out the Giants were north of 17 at 17 and a half. And with all due respect to your opinion that they might get this going, uh, their 14 points they scored last week raised their average points per game on offense to 12.1. They play a Jets defense that may not rank high in the league this year, but they have held Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts all in check. Uh, I don't see the Giants getting the 17. They got there once, and the only time they got the 17 was all in the second half versus the horrible Arizona Cardinals. So that's the I thing mean, like with the offense. They've been horrendous. They've been horrendous, but they've also played the best defense in the NFL almost to this point. But like you said, 17 does seem pretty high for them. If the Giants wind up scoring three touchdowns for the first time all year, I tip my cap. I'm a little bit lower in my bank account and I move on, but I don't see them getting three touchdowns in this one. Uh, Mentioned the Miami Dolphins earlier, John. The Miami Dolphins are facing the New England Patriots. You expect some money on this game. Obviously, questionable on, on Wednesday with Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert. As of Thursday's practice, we're happy to report that both of them are back at practice. Uh, the line moved a little bit from nine to nine and a half yesterday. That's where it's sitting right now. Total 
46 and a half. What's the action look like on this game at your book? This will be a really heavily bet game, guys. I mean, Miami will be in every parlay, money line parlay. They'll tease Miami down. And we've already seen wise guys taking the dog, especially when the game was at 10. They were betting New England. But, you know, Miami, how, what have they done so far this season? They've feasted on weak opposition, and New England is weak opposition. So Miami will be a very, very public side on Sunday with the public expecting another Miami route, and we might get it. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Brian, you saw the Miami Dolphins um, in person with me on Sunday. Uh, wasn't the prettiest game in the world, and they obviously didn't get a lot of help with those yellow flags. But what do you think of the Dolphins versus the Patriots? Yeah, this I, it would scare me to bat the Dolphins here, not because of their ability as a team, just because of their injuries. Is missing three starting offensive linemen potentially, and good news about Tyree, good news about Mostert, but they could be banked up for this one and. We saw the Eagles and Bills hold them in check in their losses this season, but even though it was a win and they covered, the Patriots did a pretty good job defensively against them in Week 2 for granted. They did have Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez for that one, but the Patriots could be able to move the ball offensively against this Dolphins defense too, considering it looked a lot better last week against the Bills. They got some of their offensive linemen back, and it looks like they is that could be some momentum to start, putting up more than zero points moving forward, so... At that big of a number, it was no surprise. It's no surprise to me that Sharps did come in on it. If the Dolphins did come in this one much healthier, I would see this as a smash spot for them. I'm just a little, con- little concerned about their injuries in this matchup. The cover three offensive point. linemen, three offensive linemen potentially missing. Um, that's just considered another Sunday in Miami. Happens all the time. We move to our last one o'clock game. Feels like we had 42 of them. Yeah. Vikings, Packers, a little NFC North battle. Usually a battle for the division title, not this year. Vikings have been on a roll recently, knocking off San Francisco on Monday night. Green Bay has been nothing short of awful the last couple of weeks before and after the bye. They're getting one and a half at home, 41 and a half. Brian, we'll start with you. You were high on the Packers preseason, not to rub that back in, but you were. Um, Now they're getting one and a half at home on the Vikings. Are you buying it or are you completely getting rid of that stock? I will say I was high on them before the season, but I pretty much cashed out my two futures bets on them and got most of my money back. So don't feel horrible about that, at least. And you win some, you lose some. But um, I'll leave it to John for this one. But I'm guessing this is the biggest pros versus Joes game of the week, considering Vikings are coming off a really impressive Monday Night Football win against the 49ers at home. The spread flipped. Packers lost to the Broncos last week, coming out of a bye. And that now you have the Vikings short week traveling on the road against division rival, giving points. This screens pro versus Joe's. And I'm really low on this Packers team. And I think the Vikings have been better all season long than their records indicated, which is a complete opposite of last year, just pretty ironic. So I was on the Vikings earlier this week, but now it scares me just everything with everything I said. But I'm really curious to hear from John about uh, the actions looking like for this one. Yeah, the public is the public is all over Minnesota in this game, and it's for all the reasons you just said. Green Bay blew that game last Sunday to Denver. Minnesota, all of a sudden, they're on a two-game winning streak without Justin Jefferson. Yeah, they just they just beat the San Francisco 49ers on Monday night, a game that I'm sure sportsbooks all over the country cleaned up on. I know we did. So the public is going to definitely come in on Minnesota here, but there's some sharp money on Minnesota too. You see this number; it's been pushing up towards the Vikings side. I, I see. Some books in the market are even as high as Minnesota minus two right now. I see a lot of minus one and a halves. I, I get it. Green Bay, 
just hasn't given us any reason to trust them this season. Uh, I liked Green Bay coming into the season myself, and certainly appears that I was wrong about that call. And, and Minnesota, you, you know, they they hung in there against Philadelphia in week two. Who knows what the final score of that game would have been if Jefferson doesn't fumble the ball out the back of the end zone. They had they like four fumbles that game, I'm yeah, pretty sure, something they, like that. They could have easily won the Charger game. I think that was the week after or maybe a week after that. I mean, they thought they probably have been better than their record. They have been better than their record. So I can see why uh, people are backing them this week. We move on to the 4 o'clock slate. Once again, we have 14 games on Sunday. Now we're in the 4 o'clock slate. Seattle Seahawks quietly 4-2, and two, hosting the Cleveland Browns. Seattle's laying three and a half now at certain books. I saw it at three yesterday, 38 and a half, uh, down from 40 and a half. John, a lot of movement on this game on both the side and the total. What are you seeing there at Superbook? Definitely sharp money on the under here. Uh, we had under 40, under 39 and a half, under 39, we're at 38. And sharp money on the favorite on Seattle. Seattle should have beat Arizona last week by 30 points. You know, they, they kept turning the ball over. Oh, they, they should have. I had them in a – I would have never been watching a game like that, but I had them in a survivor contest. I mean, they, they literally should have won the game by four touchdowns. So they I don't know if they were maybe looking ahead to this matchup with Cleveland. They weren't taking Arizona seriously. They get DK Metcalf back this week. Seattle looks like a sharp side. And I don't know what's going on with Cleveland's quarterback situation. Uh, certainly expecting it to be P.J. Walker this week for the Browns. and. It's a tough task to ask him to go on the road against Seattle. Seattle is a typical Seattle team. It's going to be a tough environment for him. Brian, what do you like in this game? Yeah, this one is kind of a toss-up for me. It's really, I mean, John, everything John says is correct about the Seahawks, but now I feel like I'm buying a little too high on them against a Browns defense that you might be able to buy low on coming. Coming off a performance, they gave up over 450 yards of offense to Gardner Minshew and the Colts. But at the same time, P.J. Walker has been dreadful. If you're looking at uh, pro football-focused quarterback grades, this is out of 100. He's at 29.5. The next worst is Gardner Minshew of 48.3. He's been that bad, which would make which give you confidence to take in the under here. But very turnover-prone quarterback, as we have seen. This one, I liked it better when you get the Seahawks at three or below, but now it's even up to four at some places. That That's a stay with me at this rate, but I would almost monitor Seahawks team total under here, just going against this Browns defense that their perception might be a little bit different coming off of the last week, as I said. And the under just scares me in general, just never know turnovers, but maybe with the Seahawks side, even though it does contradict what I said with P.J. Walker here, I'm, a little, I'm, just, I'm just scared of this game in general now, just with coming off of last week and Seahawks are, can be kind of a Jekyll high team offensively. I did grab Seattle last night at minus three. And once I wrote it in the columns, I'm happy I got it there before it moved, but it's very hard to trust either one of those teams. Uh, going to the Bay area Bengals and Niners. These guys have met in a couple of Super Bowls, almost met in the Super Bowl two years ago. We're in the final four, a couple of times Bengals Niners right now. The line has dropped from what was five and a half, six, all the way down to three and a half, as we don't know if Brock Purdy is going to play. He's currently in concussion protocol. Never thought I'd say it's a wait and see about Brock Purdy's injury in a column. That's where we're at. John, what is the math telling you on your side? Is everybody waiting and seeing if Brock's going to play? Well, they're betting the Bengals yesterday, I'll tell you that much. I mean, we, we saw a flood of money come in on Cincinnati 
<clears throat> excuse me, as that story broke, uh, we're down to plus three and a half, minus 120. But I'd be saying that either. I totally agree with you. I can't believe that Purdy is a guy who – this is the biggest game of the week in the NFL, and we're sitting around waiting to know Brock Purdy's injury status as we prepare to book this game. Uh, that is something I never would have believed. But, look, we saw what happened to the 49ers last year when he got hurt in the NFC Championship game. Uh, Brock Purdy is pretty good. So they, they are gonna, they're definitely going to want to have him in there. I don't think much of Sam Darnold personally. So I, I, I think we definitely have to downgrade the, the 49ers quite a bit if Purdy can't play. Brian, I wish I had taken the Bengals at five and a half yesterday before that dropped. What do you like about this game? I do, but at the same time, that five and a half was always kind of like a tricky number because not really like that often games fall around like five points and that's still below six and still well above a field goal or still get above a field goal, but not for long maybe as uh, what John alluded to with the juice on the plus three and a half. But I'm not, I'm, it's not even just Brock Purdy concerned about. Same with Trent Williams. I mean, if he's out, the 49ers are pretty bad offensive line without Trent Williams. We know that Debo Samuel is going to be out two weeks. And this Bengals team are coming off a bye, a much-needed bye for Joe Burrow to get healthy. And they're getting a more than a field goal here against a really good Niners team. I feel like that's when you want to back Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And I say what you want about Brock Purdy and that Sam Darnold's a pretty talented back of quarterback. The difference is, is that Darnold's a lot more mistake-prone than Purdy, minus what we saw Monday night. And we haven't really seen them in this Kyle Shanahan offense yet. And the unknown of Darnold and with the play car like this might almost be overrating him a little bit, contrary to what we've seen in the past few seasons. So I like the Bengals getting more than a field goal right now. And I might have to bet this like before it drops. And also remember, you didn't get the number you wanted, but at the same time, still getting the Bengals plus points here versus potentially Sam Darnold. We move on to the AFC West battle and I'm, going to suspect that you're going to have a lot of pro a lot of public action on Kansas City as well uh the numbers at seven and a half 46 and a half the hook scares me John and I'll tell you why like yes Kansas City's the better team but the last four times these two teams have met including both last year while Hackett was the 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 coach at Denver combined Total difference is 24 points, all won by the Chiefs at six points per game. Even earlier this year, the Chiefs won by 11, 19-8 in a game that was a lot closer than the 19-8 score indicated. Denver was in it right until the last possession. Um, these teams tend to play close games. You got seven and a half on the road. I'm not laying the seven and a half with the Chiefs. I don't trust the Broncos either. What are you hearing? This will be our biggest need of the week. I'm pretty sure our biggest need of the week will be Denver. I think we'll need Denver more than Washington. And the reason for that is there's only four games in the afternoon. There's a bunch of games in the morning. So we'll, we'll really need the Broncos big. The first game between these two teams was a horrible football game. A very tough watch. Uh, Kansas City got out of there with the win. So far, nothing to say other than the usual betting of everybody's on the Chiefs. They're on the Chiefs' money line. They're parlaying the Chiefs. They're parlaying the Chiefs' money line. They're teasing the Chiefs. We're going to be rooting for Russell Wilson and the boys on Sunday. Brian, you and I have talked a lot on the show about how the Chiefs don't cover big numbers. Uh, they did last week versus the, the, the Chargers team that can't seem to beat anybody. Uh, does the 7.5 scare you, or are you joining the public out there laying that number? I'm going to do neither. I'm going to do what I did last time. I'm going to wait. 
and bet the Broncos live once it, if the Chiefs got out to a big lead. Last time they played, they got out to a 16 nothing lead, yet they pushed the spread. And I, I forgot the number was I got them at for Denver, but that covered obviously because they got way higher than the plus 11. The Chiefs are one of those teams that obviously puts up a ton of first-half points and takes a foot off the gas in the second half and kind of lets these defenses score in garbage time. So that's going to be my play for this one. Um, I'm never going to really bat the Chiefs getting more than a touchdown just because they really like, don't cover those numbers that often. And you just never know this Broncos team. But they have some 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 signs of life defensively. And I believe Nick Bolden's out for the Chiefs, which would be a big loss. So I got burned by fan of Chiefs last week against a division rival. I'm gonna play, I'm gonna wait and see with the um live spread this week. And Denver off their probably most complete game of the season, winning in Green Bay, a game they probably should not have won. Bar not very high for the Broncos, who only have beaten the Bears and the Packers. Uh, our last four o'clock game on the slate before we move to Sunday night football. Another big spread on the road. The Baltimore Ravens fresh off their impressive win versus the Lions last week. Line now up to nine and a half in some places. It was eight and a half yesterday. Nine and a half, 44 and a half. Brian, we'll go with you first. Cardinals have kept it close with a couple of teams, but have also looked awful the last couple of weeks. Are you buying the Ravens now? Or are they you just tagging on to a tease and they're going to let you down like they always do? Yeah, I don't like the tease now at nine and a half because I like to tease it to key numbers and you're getting it to three and a half doesn't really help you too much. But this is kind of a battle of two really good first half teams. Ravens have pretty much been a juggernaut in the first half of the season. The Cardinals have been keeping games really close in the first half of the season as well. But I still think they're really, I still think they're they're not overachieving as much as they were beginning the season. They're starting to show signs of being that team that we all thought they were going into the year and. I still think they're trending that direction even more so. They should have lost by a lot more than 10 points last week. And this Ravens team is starting to emerge as one of the top Super Bowl contenders in the NFL. And it's no surprise the spread went up as we saw them just completely dominate the Lions last week. But Lamar hasn't had a good recent history of covering big numbers as, as a favorite. So I don't think I'm going to take the Ravens on the spread here. But if it does drop below nine at some point, which probably isn't going to happen, but if it does, I would definitely tease them. John, not only this game, but what is, uh, what are your books showing you about thoughts on the Ravens overall? You getting a lot of tickets there in terms of Ravens to win the AFC and or Lamar MVP tickets. You know, they never bet us the Ravens in futures. The, the Ravens are a team. We always do awesome on in the future book. We were going to absolutely clean up that year. They were the one seed and they lost to the Titans. And the, I was sick about that game. We, we we had positioned the future book perfectly. They lost that game, of course. Uh, we didn't do very well. They will bet you Lamar Jackson to win the MVP. He's done it before. He won the Heisman Trophy as well. Right now we got Lamar at 6-1. to one. We do lose a little bit of money on Lamar. Uh, as far as this Sunday goes, probably pretty similar betting to what we already talked about with Philadelphia and Kansas City. They expect a lot of money line parlays, a lot of teasers to Baltimore. Books are going to nine and a half on Baltimore now to pre- prevent against teasers, to make you do a seven-point teaser to get through three to get down to two and a half. That's why you're seeing that number move up a little bit. And there's just not going to be too many. There's not going to be a lot of takers for Arizona, guys. I mean, I know they hung in there last week. To your point, they seem to play well at the start of the game. So I think they were winning at the Rams two weeks ago, and then they got blown out last week. Seattle just kept them in the game all the way till the end, pretty much. But Maybe Baltimore this week will dispatch them a little bit easier. 
Yeah, they're six and one against the spread in the first half this year. Uh, they've held a lead four of the seven games. I've played them the first half a couple of times and profited nicely, and then went ahead and faded them in the second half. So it's an option out there. It's not really a game I have much interest in unless you can get that eight and a half and and tease it down to two and a half with maybe the Lions, etc. Uh, now this is the moment everybody's been waiting for. It's why everybody stays up late on Sunday night. Bears, Chargers, primetime. I, I would tend to believe NBC would have liked the flex scheduling to start a little bit earlier than it does or at least have a game to flex into this spot that's not protected. Uh, the Bears, Chargers are laying eight and a half at, you call it, home in Los Angeles. will probably be all Bears fans there. Total sitting at 46 and a half. Start with you, John. You've booked a lot of these Chargers home games where it's really not a home game, dating back to the days of the 25,000-seat soccer stadium. Bears travel well. I'm not in any mind frame to lay eight and a half with the Chargers against my son's fourth-grade team. What are you seeing out there? Well, first, got to ask you guys a question. How do, how do you guys stay awake for the Sunday night game? I can't even – It could be tough, can, especially for this one. I can barely stay up for the games. I'm on the West Coast, obviously, in Nevada. I can barely stay awake until the end of the games because I've been up early to watch soccer, EPL, and then we got to do the 10 a.m. games, the 125 games. I can't I can't even do it out here. I don't know how you guys possibly do it out there. Very, very poor Sunday night game. Got to be the worst of the year so far, I would think. I mean, Bill's Giants was pretty bad. This, this one's bad. There's not a lot of action to report. I'm guessing by the time we get to Sunday, you're going to have a lot of money line parlays going to the Chargers. But I can tell you guys right now, we have fewer tickets on the Chargers in the straight bet column. Forget about parlays. I'm talking about straight bets. We have fewer tickets on the Chargers than any team playing in the National Football League this week. No one is looking wow. to bet on the Chargers at I'll the Super Bowl here. All year. They don't want any part of this team. So if I know the NFL, which I probably do not, the Chargers will probably go out there in front of an 80% Bears crowd and win by double digits on Sunday. They certainly have the team to. They certainly should against the Chicago Bears. We'll see what they do. But right now, no one is betting the Chargers at Super Bowl. What I want you to think about on Sunday night while you're counting your dollars in the back of the Vegas Sportsbook uh, Superbook is Brian and I watching the Sunday night game while either zooming or slacking and wondering to see if, if, if Brandon Staley is going to do something stupid at 1215 in the morning <laughs> when they're playing the bears. That's what we have. Yeah. I don't know if you can see behind me and it, obviously this is audio only, but we're in this video chat. I have a tower of Mountain Dew kickstarts behind me that my son has built. That is how I stay awake on uh, Sunday nights for bears chargers. Okay. Brian, what do you like in this game? Not a whole lot. The only thing I like, about this game is actually there's nothing I like about this game. I was about to say at least it's a football on a Sunday night, but as John said, there's some times where you prefer to just call it an early night versus having to watch a bad football game. But the Chargers, I will say, nobody wants to back them. That makes total sense. We they really disappointed us the last two weeks, but they've gone against two really good defenses in the Cowboys and the Chiefs. And now they'll be playing the Bears, going against a backup quarterback and Tyson Badgett. I think I pronounced his name right. I mean I, if, the, if the Chargers don't win this one handily, they're not going to win any game handily, and this could be a T spot for them if you don't trust them to win more by to win more than by more than one score because they never do. You get them below a field goal, but that seems almost too easy, which scares me too. But if they are any good, if Staley wants to save his job, this has to be a game they win easily. 
I think this is the coach that loses gets fired bowl is what I would call it. Oh, if yeah. I was going to name a new bowl game. Uh, coach who loses does not get the plane flight or Uber ride home. Uh, not to put anybody on the spot here, but we like to finish the, the the podcast every single week with your best play, your best play of the entire week. Since I didn't tell John this was coming, I'll give him a few minutes to think about it. Brian, what is your favorite play this week on the entire board? You know, it's tough. I don't think I've hated a week as much as this week. I don't really have any strong leans on the spread, which is very unusual and especially unusual when every team is playing this week. So if I had to pick one, I like the under for the Jaguars-Steelers game. I'm going to keep fading the Steelers' offense while I can. And as Jaguars' defense still getting slept on a little bit. Steelers' off, Steelers luck has run out eventually. This is sort of a fade against them and not a complete fade because they could still win a really low-scoring game. But I like the under in that one so far. John, we got 14 games on Sunday. What's A, your favorite play, and B, your biggest need? Uh, I think the biggest need will end up being Denver. I'm pretty sure about that. you got to always look at the, the time slot of these games. Uh, the afternoon games, there's more of a concentration of money in those games. Now, in a normal week, the biggest need is almost always the Sunday night game. But because this Sunday night game is so lousy, I think you got to look to the afternoon. My guess is Denver will be our, our biggest need of the week. As far as myself, I mean, I'm kind of torn between a few teams right now. There's a few teams I like. I think if you made me pick one, I probably would go with Seattle. Uh, I just I don't think anything of PJ Walker. I think he's going to be in trouble up there on the road against that Seahawks defense. Uh, I, I watched a lot of that game last week. Seattle should have very easily beat Arizona. Their defense was pretty impressive, and I think it's going to be a long day for Walker and the Cleveland offense. So John's on Seattle minus the number. I agree with that. Uh, Brian and I had talked earlier about the under in the Steelers game, where I decided to isolate the Steelers team total under. He said he didn't like the slate at all, his worst one of the year. I was looking and doing the column last night, Brian, and I shot him a note, and I said, here are my best bets, and I handed him three team total unders and a teaser that you can no longer get. So that is what I think of the sides of these games where I have personally, other than taking Seattle minus three early, don't like, which is what John suggested to do, I don't like any of the sides and even the totals themselves, I think are a little wonky with being so low. So I've isolated three team total unders. I got to pick one of them as my favorite one. And we'll go with the New York football giants under 17 and a half. I just don't see them scoring two touchdowns and two field goals or three touchdowns at any point in any game, more or less versus the Jets. So that's going to do it for the pro football network sports betting podcast. Remember tune in every Thursday for our 10 minute special of Brian and one of us, talk about the Thursday night game every single Monday we do a 10 minute hit talking about Monday night football which will be Raiders and Detroit Lions Uh, but today Sunday pfnbetting.com to get all of our betting information you can follow us at at pfnbetting or at pfn365 so our special guest John Murray of the Vegas Superbook and Brian Lewis I'm David Behrman good luck with your bets